everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Soul Punch Origins. I have a sweet <laughs> special guest with us here today. His name is Nick. Nick, you can say hello. Hey, guys. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Super stoked to be here. I'm, I'm excited to have you t- here, too. I like how you called it the origins. I didn't know that that was a thing. Oh, yeah. It feels like I'm a comic hero. I love it. <laughs> no, we... Uh, we're trying to do a couple different segments, so all we're doing right now is Soul Punch Origins, which is this kind of spiritual origin stories. Nice. We'd like to get into doing like a Soul Punch gut check, which is like the real raw stuff. Nice. I also think it'd be fun to do a Soul Punch Arena, which is huh. getting like four or five pastors in here and just saying, hey, boom, topic, take it down. Like a round table? Yeah, totally. And yeah. just like demolish something. That'd be sick. Maybe maybe at some point. But this is the Origins podcast. Cool. So, so like glad it. So glad to have you here. I can dig um, it. We were we've been we were talking a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. just kind of on, you know, what God used in your life and kind of where you've come from and some of those cool stories like that. And so, kind of, we want to get into that a, a little bit today. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you, uh, you know, feel that God's laid on your heart to share. Uh, before we get to that point, just a random question to start it off. You know, get the gears going. I asked this question to some kids the other day, and I was interested at the conversation we had because of it. Okay. So it's not super deep. Don't freak out. All right. If you could choose an article of clothing that would best describe you, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. An article of clothing that would best describe me. can be anything. It, yeah. It, it, you know. That just came out of nowhere, though, because you don't <laughs> think about that. No. We had an interesting conversation. I, I chose a floppy toque or a saggy toque. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, that's like, you know, my personality. It's tight, you know, so there's a little bit of form to it, but yet it's it's got freedom, mm-hmm. but, but within bounds. And that's kind of my personality of, you know, I like my structure, but I like right. it to have flexibility. Right. So there's flexibility. So floppy toque for me worked. I think um, I would probably go and... You guys can't see this, but Caleb can with a plaid collared shirt <laughs> because like you can do so much with the plaid collared shirt. You can be a little bit casual with it. You can have it untucked. You can go to a youth event, hang out with people, oh, yeah. or you can put it, you can spice it up with a tie. And so I was saying that kind of describes me because um, just with my day to day, there's some times where I, I'm, I'm being casual and I'm just laid that back. And then there's a lot of times where I have to be like more formal. <laughs> Uh, so I would definitely say the the plaid collar, but the other one that came in my mind just as like a runner up would have been like a baseball hat because um, I have this thing. It's kind of a tradition, but I've only done it twice. It, when I go to a city or someone goes to a city, I try and get them to to bring back a hat from that arena. So I have oh. a, I have a classic um, Red Sox hat from Fenway, Ooh. and then I have a White Sox hat from uh, from the Cell Arena, uh, not Wrigley, but from the Cell. So. Nice. I've only done that twice, but I like that. I love the idea of like of, of of being a ball cap. Yeah, but but you don't have a Jays hat though. I do have a Jays oh, hat. Oh, you do, but not yeah. from. But not from uh, not from the stadium. Ah, uh, yeah, I see. You know, still, you know, supporting our our Canadian baseball team that we've got <laughs> with a bunch of Americans that play for them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, same with all the American hockey yes. teams. We have a bunch of Canadian players that play for them, and sometimes the Stanley Cup comes back to Canada more than the states after a team wins. Yeah, but you know. Anyways, well, it's funny. Not we'll, we'll mention this. Nick is actually wearing a plaid button-up shirt right now. If you didn't catch that earlier, to you know, describe his personality, and I was actually wearing a floppy toque as well. So I don't know if that means anything. But let's uh, let's kind of go back to the time before 
God kind of got a hold right. of, of your life and, and kind of just like, what was the, for lack of a better term, what was the primordial soup that, that you kind of grew up in, right. you know, before, you know, God kind of got a hold of you? Yeah. So I, I kind of grew up, um, in sort of a re- religiously hostile home. What I mean by that is my, uh, my dad is from a country called Malta, which is extremely uh, Catholic and, but with a little bit of Protestant, but, but that would be like, if you were Protestant, um, that would be like the minority. And so my dad's father died when he was six years old. And, and as he grew up, his family started not having a lot of money. And so my, my dad decided he was going to get a paper route unknowingly when he was 11 years old he got this paper route at a protestant church like that was they had this paper and he started doing this the catholic church got a hold of this and under and figured out that my dad was doing this and no joke caleb they excommunicated my dad at 11 years old from this church seriously okay wow i know and the weird thing is on the other side of my family so my my mom her her family was jehovah witness before i was a good idea or or born or anything like that but (laughs) they grew up they grew up jehovah's witness and my mom did and when my mom was young her her mother so my grandma got excommunicated got shunned from this jehovah witness i don't know the circumstances because they don't talk about it but she got shunned from this jehovah witness so um i grew up like praying to jehovah because that was something that kind of came out of that my mom believed in god but but was really hostile against organized religion my father even to this day will swear that organized religion is is there for money and and it is a business so Mm -hmm. i grew up with religiously hostile parents but open to the idea of God and not necessarily against me ever believing that. So my mother also uh, was a substance abuser, um, was a drug addict into uh, prescription narcotics and um, would go at one point just would go to hospital specifically to get drugs. And so I grew up with my mother very much being strung out on, on drugs. And that's not, my mom has, has definitely been reformed from that. There was a lot of circumstances that, that kind of built into that. So, but I grew up with that. I grew up seeing, Mm. um, every single day I would see my mom just strung out on drugs and, and that was really tough, but it also gave me this idea of like, is there good in the world like is there if there is because i heard people talking about god and i would i would have heard this from a very young age because come from a really small town called onaway alberta shout out to the onaway listeners in the crowd um and the the pastor's wife she she babysat me and so i heard about god at a very very young age but i was thinking so if god is good then why is my mom a drug addict Yeah. And why I was like a parent at a very young age. I, I learned how to deceive because people would come to the door and I would say, oh, my mom's sleeping or she's in the she's having a bath. Or when really she was just strung out and I was trying to protect her. Yeah. But I learned to lie, Caleb, and I learned to kind of mm. deceive and, and, and to not be the person I was meant to be. Through that, my mom became very abusive. Pretty much every kind of abuse you could think of, my mom abused me. And, and again, I just kept questioning, so if God is good, why is this happening? Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of culminated with me in high school, um, getting into my own substances. And it's, it's weird. You think you would never do that because, well, your mom's drug addict. You're going to go away from that. But you just don't. Mm. You, I got caught up in this cycle of defeat that, that my mom had introduced to me. And so I 
got heavy into drugs, heavy into mostly into alcohol and even just manipulating girls and relationships and trying to be someone that I wasn't and just and pornography and just a lot of things that were just cycles of defeat. Yeah. And it was really hard to get out of that. But that was the the environment, the pre-God. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. So you're growing up, you're thinking, okay, I've heard about this God, but if, if he is a good God, you know, I see so much just crap in the world, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it just it just doesn't make sense. Like there's kind of like a disconnect for you where you didn't you didn't see what you'd been told about God is how you know how good he is. Like what what happened? Was that question answered for you or what were the circumstances that kind of made you be like, oh maybe this God thing is kind of real or legit? Um I kind of heard this as a metaphor. Uh, some people have like a have a moment where they 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 hear a metaphor or they, they go to a conference or whatever and they they hear about God and then it kind of clicks or like a right. camp moment. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I had this moment, if you guys have watched the Alpha videos with Jason and Ben, um, they say this in the videos and this kind of clicked with me that it was kind of like I, I fell asleep in Germany on a train and that train uh, went to France and I didn't, know, and I woke up when I fell, so I fell asleep on this train, I woke up and I look around, there's the Eiffel Tower, there's, you know, people eating baguettes, like I get that I'm in France, yeah. but I don't know exactly when I crossed that moment. Mm. So I had a lot of really good influences. I had two amazing youth pastors that challenged me throughout my life. Um, and, and I think there was a point where I started claiming to be a Christian. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that was, if that was maybe where I was at, but I was claiming, okay, well, this, this makes sense. Being a Christian makes sense because it was good. And I could see that it was affecting everyone else, but it wasn't really affecting me. Right. So then I said that I was living it. Um, I don't think I was, but I said that I was living it and then had a lot of good influences. And then basically it came back actually full circle to my mom. So, uh, my mom found Christ. She overdosed, uh, when I was 14 and, through her overdose, she was like brain dead. She died like three times on the way to the hospital. Like she went into arrest like three times, had no beat. Then, then she all of a sudden had a heartbeat. They couldn't explain it. For 24 hours, she was brain dead. And like you don't come back from, from zero brain activity, yeah. but she did. And she was, in, uh, she was the sickest person in the U of A hospital for 32 days. Mm. I moved to BC for a bit because um, my mom just was in a coma. So then I moved to BC. Through that, my mom found Jesus. And you would think that that would be something that I would be really excited about. But up until this point, I had started to go to youth group and go to church. And I snuck out to go to church, not because of God, but because of the people that were influencing me. And and my friends were there. And this pastor's wife um, and her family, um, they they were such good, like, examples of family that I was at their house more than I was at my own house. And so I would sneak out to go to church, but not for God, for the people. And I would go to youth group, mm-hmm. not for God, but for the people. So then all of a sudden my mom steps into this world. She starts going to church. She's, she gets baptized. She gets like really buys into the idea of Christ. And I get so jealous, Caleb. I get so like, this is my world that you're breaking wow. into. And all I see is this drug addict at church. And right. which, I mean, that's not a bad thing, but as where I was at, I was like, I couldn't handle that. And so I actually completely just stepped away from church. Um, and went deeper and deeper. And then finally I was kicked out of my house. Um, I was, I moved out at 17 slash got kicked out. I was living with someone else and I burnt those bridges. Worst part of of my life. Like every morning I'd wake up, I'd open a can of beer and walk to to school. And by the time I got to school, you know, I have finished that beer and that was every single day. Like every single day I was drinking 
at school. I was drinking from the way back from school. I was drinking that night. Uh, I turned 18 in grade 12. And it would we'd be math class in the day and clubs in Edmonton at night. Mm-hmm. And that was just our cycle. And then yeah. finally, I, it was minus, I remember this, it was minus 40 and I'm sleeping in a shack because I burned out my bridges and I had nowhere to, to go. And then finally, I knock on my mom's door and she opens the door and I say, I'm, I'm freezing. I'm like, I, I have no place to go. And I said, can I come in? And no joke, she says to me, and I don't know why she said this, but she's like, you can come in with one condition. And I was like, what is it? I'm thinking like, I will do anything at this point. Yeah. And she's like, you have to sign up for Bible college. <laughs> like, seriously. And and you do like stupid things when you're cold. So oh, I, was like, I was like, yeah, man, I will sign up right now. And she did. She she got her MacBook, opens it up. I, I felt my testimony and I... I was brutally honest in the testimony. I was like, well, if I, I said I'd apply. I didn't say they'd accept me. So then I yeah. I just was like, brutal. Peter B.I. because um, my friend Justin Foster had him and his family had gone to the school, that same family that I grew up with. Right. So that was the connection. That was why Peter B.I. would have been the one I went to. And I think yeah. my mom just needed me to have a good influence. So that's why. <laughs> and so anyways, I, um, I get to the point where I sent out this application and then... They uh, they accept me on the condition that I go to Bible camp and just kind of like maybe have a have a summer in ministry, and for whatever reason the local Bible camp accepted me. I I showed up as a counselor. Don't do this, but I showed up as a counselor hungover, um, and I went into the cabin, Caleb, my first night, and I was like, I absolutely just hated this idea. And I'm sitting down in these twelve, like it was teen camp. I'm 18 years old. There's campers my age and older that I'm the senior counselor of and I remember just sitting down I'm like this is going to be the worst thing I've ever done and that week was okay but the next week I remember I tell these kids about Jesus but not like you have to understand I'm not excited about this I just kind of yeah. tell them the facts and whatever and I'm like hey if you guys want to be Christian um, just call out to him and you know that's all you have to do literally that unenthused and all of a sudden I look up and every hand of that cabin is up Hmm. and they're like yeah we want to be christian i was like what because i wasn't even christian at that point so how could they want to be christian when a non-christian was essentially telling them about christ so that changed me um it's hard not to it's hard not to tell people about jesus and see the effects of people when you're directly ministering to them and not be changed yeah um uh, and so then yeah i was just starting ministering to kids and telling them about christ and kids would just start opening up to me and i didn't understand why Hmm. um i remember one kid was just telling me his whole life story and he'd been abused and and I ended up making a call to take him out of his 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 home and, and put him in the foster care system. And mm-hmm. but but even in the darkness, even in those like the pain, I recognized that God was good. And so when I went to PRBI, same thing. Showed up hungover. Showed up just not like <laughs> wanting to be there. And, and yeah, and then I, I had this really tangible moment where God was like, "You can continue to fight, or you can give in to what you know is true." And it wasn't overnight. I still, I, I smoked my whole first semester at PRBI. I was still involved yeah. in a lot of things, but people came alongside me, Caleb. They invested in me. They didn't give up on me. And then eventually that changed me. People's mm. love changed me. Christ's love through his people entirely showed me who he was. And, and then I eventually was able to boldly say that this is what I believe and this is what I was going to live for. Right. Wow. <laughs> so you're... Uh going back a little bit here you're going to church all the time your mom shows up to mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. and you're like nah 
Mm-hmm. I'm I'm out of here. This mm-hmm. is my world. You've just kind of invaded it. I don't want to have anything to do with this. So you kind of took that step back and kind of mm-hmm. went went your own way in that time. Um, do you feel like during that time that you know God was still with you, or do you feel that you were just like, no, I'm completely done with this, or were there still kind of touch points in your life? I mean, you were talking about how you still met. Mm-hmm. You know, you had that those that family that kind of took you in and you're at their house a lot. Was that kind of still going on during all this time or did you kind of completely step back? No, I, I cut back as much as I could. Um, but there's a Bible verse that I hold on to and, and I don't want to put words in God's mouth and I don't want to say like he knows my heart at that time. But uh, the Bible verse is, is Philippians 1, six that says he who began a good work will mm. complete it. Yeah. And so I think that... Um, that God was still there. And I even, like, I still prayed. I would even still read my Bible. I don't think I was ever done with God. I was done with the idea of organized religion, which, hmm. interestingly, now that I, I've studied the Bible more, I, I recognize that the church is his bride and that you can't really have that. You, If you, um, yeah. Christ is shown through his people. And so to cut off from the people is to cut off from, from God. But I, I still think that he was there. Um, I don't think that we necessarily, it was, it was kind of, our intimacy was very shallow. But I, but I saw the grace of God and it was almost like Jesus was standing there with his hand out saying like, like all you have to do is grab my hand, mm. but I will stay here with you in this room mm-hmm. no matter what, but I'm not going to force you because I'm a gentleman and I love you and I'll always love you and you know that, but you're going to have to make this choice to grab my hand. So I don't think that, th- that even up until that point, I had made a commitment to have this change my life, but God was still there and I, I still even even somehow to have a sense. So I think that there was a work that was started, Caleb. It reminds me of the the soils. I think that there, the soil had been planted um, and, and the roots were growing, but there wasn't a fruit right. yet. The fruit wouldn't come till much later. Hmm. So you're, you show up at your mom's house mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, let me in. She's like, all right, yep. sign up for Bible school. And you're like, man, I'm cold. I'm hungry. I just want to get out of wherever mm-hmm. I've been. I'll, sure, I'll sign up. So between signing up, because I mean, they don't accept you like within a day. I mean, there's no. usually a bit of a process there. Mm-hmm. Between signing up and sending off your application and going to the Bible camp, mm-hmm. was there any point in there that you thought, oh, maybe this is actually going to happen and they'll accept me? Um, yeah, like one the, the person that was doing the admissions at that time, uh, a couple of weeks later, phoned me and had a conversation with me. Oh, okay. And... And I think that I wanted Peter B.I. And, and I think I wanted the idea of, of leaving home. Right. Uh, I had planned on being a musician up until that point, but that that all fell through. Um, I was going to the U of A, but all of that fell through. And so I kind of was just like this in the in this kind of like wilderness. And and they did accept me. And I actually liked the idea of going because mm-hmm. I, I was going to be leaving. Right. So you weren't um, like hostile to that idea. No. No, I, don't, you know I wasn't even hostile to the idea of of God. I was just hostile to the idea of, of committing myself to something that, that wasn't like, I thought that I could save myself through following all these things. And I thought that God was a God of rules. And I was like, right. man, I'm going to go to pure BI. And, and I didn't know that they had curfew and all this. And, and then they, <laughs> but I knew that there was going to be something like, I knew that they were going to ask me to give up this lifestyle. Right. And I kind of was, didn't know what to think about that. Even, mm. even until I got into it, I had no idea what to think. Right. Yeah. So, this is still amazing to me. You're at camp, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Hey, here's the here's the printed out sheet that I need to read to you yep, about what I'm supposed to tell you, right?" Yep. And then, 
you know, I kind of get this picture of you kind of like reading the sheet, looking up and being like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yep. What did, what did you do from that point on? Were you like, uh, you know, taking those guys into that step? So what I did was we, um, if you've ever worked at a Bible camp, a lot of them have one-on-ones where you're supposed to have talked to this kid one-on-one. And legitimately what I did for my one-on-ones was I told them, this is something that I have to do because the camp has told me to do it. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you guys out to the front step and I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to ask you about your life. And you can tell me it's good or bad, and I'm going to send you in. And oh, wow. and it'd be crazy. I'd be like, so how's your life? And then they would just spill their guts at me. I'd be like, oh, like what? I'm, I'm doing this because I have to. So what I did in that situation was I kind of, the only experience that I had would have been the previous week's one-on-ones. So what I did was I didn't want, want to do this mass kind of everyone's going to believe in Jesus. Yeah. I, I took every kid out one-on-one. And I wanted to make sure that they weren't doing it just because the whole room was doing it. So then I got them to tell me about their life, tell me why that they think this is something that they want. And so essentially, I got preached to by a room full of 12 kids individually sharing the gospel to me as a counselor while I led them to God through like the prayers that they had taught me to pray with these kids. So it was ridiculous. That's like, that's just like totally the Holy Spirit's hand on that, right? Like he's just like, you know what? I see where you are. He's like, this is what I'm going to do with what you think is ridiculous or not important or (laughs) your heart's not completely in it, right? And youth had always been something that I had passion for and kids had always been something that I had passion for and great respect for because I I saw with my childhood, um, I I didn't want people to go through that. Mm -hmm. And so... I didn't, wouldn't listen to an adult. I wouldn't listen to a 40-year-old preacher. But it's weird. I would listen to a 12-year-old who was telling me that Jesus loved him. <laughs> and, uh, and it's crazy. So it's like that Bible verse, come to me like a child, or don't dismiss these little children from me. God literally ministered to me through youth, which is inc- yeah. like through youth-aged kids as wow. an 18-year-old, which is phenomenal. Man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely have had experiences where it's like, I'm trying to teach someone something, but you learn something out of it, right? Yeah. You know, that's kind of sounds like mm-hmm. where you were at at camp there. So you go to Bible college, yep. you know, you're still kind of like, mm, all right, you know, mm-hmm. I, I see what's going to have to change in my life and I'm not sure what I think about it. What, you know, what brought about that, that change and that desire for change in your life? Um, this one's an interesting one. So I, uh, yeah, I had been smoking up until this point, kind of on and off. And there was a few of us that that was a vice. And and basically, I, w- I started hanging out with upperclassmen and inviting them to come and smoke with me or they invite me to go smoke with them. And, and so we were broken people. We'd go together. And then second semester, my roommate, um, who shall remain nameless, he, <laughs> he looked at me and I was like, hey, you want to go smoke? He's like, no. And I was like, what? And he's like, we're not doing this anymore Hmm. this is he's like this isn't something that we should do and i kind of just it wasn't like a well yeah you're stupid it was i respected him so much and i love this guy so much that his words had weight in my life and impact like heavy impact Hmm. and i trusted him and so when he said we're not going to do this anymore i was like okay and i just followed him because i that was who I was. I was someone that up until that point followed people. And if, so if someone I respected said, we're not doing this, I wouldn't do it. And that kind of was, was a lot of, of people in my life at, at PRBI. I, I started to respect these people and to see that they value this life, not only mm-hmm. as like an option, but as truth, that Christianity is truth and, and it is how you live your life. And so then instead of realizing, I realized at some point my first year that the rules weren't there 
so that like to force me into a certain li- lifestyle the rules were were there so that i could worship god through those lives that lifestyle mm. it, 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 as if to say like it's not like i'm gonna live a certain way because i because i have to but because i love christ right and so it, it started as obligation and soon went into uh into a desire also i at thanksgiving so a little bit past this time uh in 2010 i uh i went home and i was met by that youth pastor's wife she picks me up she buys me a ticket she says you have no place here you've burned all your bridges here at home and she sent me back wow and so it was basically a cutoff from being at home and people loving me enough to say you need to go back right and the whole year had been paid for so I had no choice but to be there. And at some point, it uh, it changed because it, I hit rock bottom and Christ was the only thing that was was going to be real for me. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's cool, man. Well, praise the Lord for that. Um, now, for those of you listening, um, Nick is a fellow youth worker in mm-hmm. the city at one of the churches here, um, building into and impacting youth's lives. And Nick's doing a great job. Really love what he's doing. Oh, really thanks, Caleb. Um, so... For for the youth or younger mm-hmm. people that are listening, you know, I want to give you thirty seconds. Okay. Uh, whatever is on your heart that you want to say, mm-hmm. it's all you, man. You got, you got it. Okay. Um. All right. Just quickly, when Jesus, when his disciples came to him, and they were so excited about everything that was happening in their lives. Jesus says, this is uh, Luke 10, verse like 18 or somewhere around there. Jesus says, don't get excited because you have the power to do all these things. Be excited because your name sounds written in heaven. What I just would love to tell any youth that are listening, your identity, don't you don't have to be built around, you know those like mountains and valleys in your life? Your identity doesn't have to be in a mountain or a valley. Your identity can be in the fact that Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That will change your life. The victories and defeats that you have don't have to be your, your identity. The fact that your mom's a drug addict or the fact that um, this, this, this boy that you're dating um, is, is starting to like pull away. You need to like, you, you feel like you need to love him because he's everything. He isn't everything. Jesus is everything. And, and that identity, placing your identity in Christ will absolutely change your life. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks, Nick, so much for being on the show today. And, Thanks, Caleb. I uh, pray that God would bless you. And thank you all for tuning in. Tuning in. Tuning in. Tuning in. in. For sure. Um, this has been a Soul Punch Podcast Origins episode. Peace out, everybody. Soul Punch.